Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And welcome back to the special holiday weekend. Another wonderful weekend of summer worship. Clean air, good sunshine, bright skies, all of that stuff that God has given to us. And I want you to know he does more than just give us good things. He tells us things as well. Each and every one of us, if we're listening to the message today, will hear something that God has to share with you individually and uniquely. Today we're going to continue the second week of our series in this Live Ready series. Today specifically, ready our hearts. Last week we heard about readying our souls. Today we're going to ready our hearts. Last week we talked about we got to be ready. we got to be ready for some things to come on this, in, in our way of life. There's going to be good times. There's going to be down times. Jesus promises in John chapter 16, verse 33. I don't like it, but he promises that we will face trouble. So we know that trouble is coming, but we know with trouble, we also have a wonderful promise from him. We know that Jesus has overcome everything that we need to be afraid of in this life. All the trouble, all the pain, all the suffering that comes to us, he has already taken care of it. So if we, by his strength, work and follow his leading, we can overcome those things as well. We are overcomers through Christ who empowers us for each and every situation, good as well as bad. Last week we started off our series talking about well, what, is it, what does it look like and how do you actually prepare and ready your souls? Not just for the bad things in life, but also knowing the promise of Christ's return. How do we get ready for that? We know that Jesus didn't come just once to the earth and say, okay, now you're on your own. He said, no, you're not on your own. I am with you to the end of time to go and preach and teach and baptize the Great Commission. And then he finally promised, I will return. We've got to make sure that we're serious about his return. We've got to make sure that we're serious about our eternity, our salvation, as well as those folks that we interact with. We've got to make sure that our souls are ready, but we also have to make sure that our hearts are ready for the day-to-day struggles and the triumphs of life. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. This makes, us, makes our task a little bit more difficult. The words of Jeremiah, he says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Well, yeah, the heart of mankind is fickle. Right? It wants what it wants. It lets feelings and emotions sometimes come into play and control us over the truths and the promises that we know from the Bible. We've got a tall task in front of us, right? And to help guide our task and to help guide our time today specifically, we're going to again be looking at Scripture, and we're going to be looking first at a very special Scripture from 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm going to use the New Living Translation for this one alone today because I really like the way that it fleshes things out. I'm going to read several passages, and then once we get to verse 15, the key verse, I'll put that up on the screen. So 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at verse 8. Peter has these words for us. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. 
For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Continuing in verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And here's verse 15. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Continuing with verse 16. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer from doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. 1 Peter chapter 3. So first and foremost, Peter, one of Christ's disciples, says if we're going to live with hearts that are ready, we've got to hold Jesus in our heart. He has to be the tip-top of the throne of our heart. He has to be our priority he has to be where everything flows to and flows from. Because, friends, there's always things battling for our priorities, right? Looking for our affections, looking to dethrone Jesus from this rightful place as king of our hearts. But friends, it's up to you and I to hold fast to our faith, to revere Christ as Lord in our hearts. That's the first and foremost thing that Peter says in this long passage now, as we learned last week, these struggles are very normal for believers. It's normal to have doubt. It's normal to have fear. It's normal to have, have wonderings about the things of the world over and against the things that we see in Scripture. There will be seasons of mountaintop faith, and unfortunately, there's also going to be seasons of valleys of deep discouragement. It's all a part of the process. But in the end, the goal should become, for each and every one of us, that we would become mature believers. It's not going to happen overnight. We're going to have to continually learn to lean on our Savior during this process, the process that's called sanctification, the churchy word for our response to what Jesus did for us. This process, it's not a quick one. It's going to be a long one. Actually, it's going to take our entire life to get through there. It's going to be a continual process of coming together as Christians and brothers and sisters in Christ, coming together and confessing our sins, both corporately here in worship and individually at home in our own devotions. It's going to be a time of renewal and redemption, a whole lifelong of all of those things as God works in our hearts. And one of the key reasons this is so important to us is because from the overflow of our hearts, that's what comes out of us. And most often the things that come out of us that other people are going to witness are our deeds and our actions, but most of all, our words. Speaking, using words, that's going to be the primary way that we share the gospel. Of course, there's serving and there's all those other things, but the primary way that we're going to be able to share the good news of Christ as it pertains to 1 Peter, always be willing to share the hope that you have within you, it's probably going to come from speaking. So going back to our passage again. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
yet doing it with gentleness and respect. So Peter says, first of all, revere Jesus in your hearts. Make him the priority in your life. Then, and only then, can you live confident and live in a way that you're ready to share the reason for the hope that is in you. You can see the correlation here between having a righteous heart and then also giving a righteous witness. Because if your heart isn't right, how can you really truly share the goodness of God in a meaningful way? Gospel of Luke talks about that in chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 to 45 says this, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Reiterating again, it's what comes out of us, usually speaking, that allows people to hear either good or bad, hear the gospel or hear what the world wants us to hear. But in order to be ready to prepare and share the gospel, we've got to make sure that our hearts are right with God. Again, making God the priority, making Jesus Lord of our life. What does that look like? Making sure we're listening to his guiding, calling on his spirit of guidance and his spirit of power to lead us through the tough times and the joyous times. But we also need to have a willingness to learn to filter things into our lives. Because we all know, if we allow too much toxicity, negativity, divisiveness, and evil into our lives, what's going to come out of our life? Probably nothing very good, right? Think about it this way. If a person only ate Twinkies three meals a day for a week or two weeks or a month or a year, how unhealthy would that person be? I'd like to try it sometime, but I know it wouldn't be good for me. Well, the same principle applies to us in our physical lives as it does with our spiritual lives. We've got to learn to filter and be diligent about what we allow into our life. Here, just a short story about myself. Right out of college back in 91, I went to work at a wheel and tire manufacturing plant in Des Moines. I worked for two years in the warehouse office before moving to the computer department. Well, as you can imagine, if you ever worked at a plant or you've talked to plant workers, uh, some of them can be just a little bit rough around the edges. I'd go out in the plant and walk around, and I'd hear all sorts of yelling and hollering, sometimes foul and crass language. And some of these guys, (laughs) I loved them to death, but they would do their best to see how uncomfortable they could make this young kid, you know, fresh out of college, who was coming around giving them orders, updating their, their plans or doing quality checks or checking inventory. They'd see me coming, and I could just see them grinning and rubbing their hands together, trying to think of just the worst, maybe raunchiest story or joke they could tell me to see me turn red. But that wasn't the worst of it. What I came to realize months later is their stories no longer fazed me. Their harsh language was just kind of the normal background noise that I'd hear every day. It was no big deal. And that, my friends, was scary. Being immersed in that environment that wasn't spiritually healthy for me. Images and languages and feelings that weren't good and weren't positive. 
that was one of the reasons that I jumped at the chance to move to the front office and work in the computer department where I did for the next several years until moving up here. 25 years total I worked in IT after that. King Solomon maybe said it best in Proverbs. Again, I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 27, right in the middle, verse 23. I'll put that on the screen when I get there. Solomon said this, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And here's that key verse. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, that all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. I like this idea, this image of the heart being kind of the wellspring of life. And from that wellspring can flow life, and can flow death, can flow encouragement, despair, anger, kindness, all of it. And this picture of our heart as a wellspring is an important one as we think about filtering things from the world that are coming in and guarding our own hearts, our own wellsprings. Think about it this way. How does filtering water into something drinkable work? Well, you filter dirty water through some sort of a filter, removing all of the impurities, and this process allows for clean water to come out at the other end, for you to be able to drink that clean water. In a similar way, we've got to run things through filters in our lives to make sure that all the impurities that are trying to come in are removed from it. Just a few filters that I can think of and use in my own life. Obviously, my first filter that I'm going to use is the Bible. If I've got a question about something that I hear on TV or something I read online, wondering if it's biblical or whether it's something I should be paying attention to, if I get my Bible, maybe do a Bible search online. Do I find that in the Bible? And if so, is it something good or is it something bad? I use the Bible. That's my first filter. Of course, then comes close friends and Christian mentors. That's many of you, right? Hopefully you have people to call on as well. I've got this problem. I need some encouragement. Or I've got this problem. I need some advice. Hopefully you're looking for good Christian advice. And obviously another prayer is, or another filter is prayer. God, I, I just don't know what to do. I've got these opportunities. Should I go right or should I go left? And then comes waiting. Time. Time to be able to process the things that I'm hearing and seeing from God. Are they really coming from God? And a lot of times, there is waiting involved. Unfortunately, there's waiting involved. But that's okay, because I want only good things to be coming into me. Now, all of these filters, and your list may be different. It may be the same. You may have more things that help you filter things in your life. But all of these things allow my life to be pure and righteous, at least as much as it can be. Because I understand me. I understand that if I allow toxicity and evil into my life, then those are the things that are probably going to start flowing out of it. It's really a very simple concept, isn't it? But just like so many other simple concepts in life, it has grave consequences if you don't do it. 
As an example of this, let's turn all the way back to the beginning of our Bibles, Genesis, Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read the first three verses and then put up verses 4 and 5 on the screen when I get there. The Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 begins this way. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And here we go. The serpent said to the woman, First lie, bold-faced lie, you will not surely die. Yeah, you won't die immediately, but you're going to start that death process, right? So that is a bold-faced lie. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. You'll be like God knowing good and evil, but you're not going to turn into God by eating of that fruit, right? You will know good from evil. That part is true, so that's kind of a half-truth. So just in one sentence, a bold-faced lie and a half-truth. Now, I'm not going to belabor the point too much here because I imagine you've probably heard this story before. In this passage, just the highlights, we just see that the snake has entered the garden and he's lying to Eve about what God actually said. He's distorting the truth. He's doing what he does to each and every one of us every day of our lives. He's trying to deceive us, trying to get us to go our own way instead of God's way. He's having Eve kind of rethink and replay God's conversation with her in her mind. Did God really say? Which we know. Eventually, Eve gives in to the serpent's questions, eats the fruit, and the rest is history. But the issue here, at least one of the issues, is that Eve apparently didn't have the guards and filters running in her life that she needed to to protect herself from the lies and the impurities of the serpent. Now, you can almost forgive her of this, right? She hasn't had to do this. She hasn't had to learn how to guard and filter the wellspring of her heart because up until that point, everything was perfect. Everything was great. She didn't need to worry about being tempted or being led the wrong way. But it cost her dearly, just as it does in our own life when we decide to listen to the half-truths or bold-faced lies of the devil or the world or our own sinful flesh. Again, this process of guarding and filtering is absolutely necessary. Now, you won't always catch every bad thing that's trying to come in, but you'll have to recognize when something has crept into your life that shouldn't be there. Again, going back to the Bible, Christian mentors and friends, prayer, and then waiting if the time is right. Think about it this way. Wouldn't you want to know if you had a cancerous growth growing in your body? Wouldn't you want to do something about it before it got too big or too out of control and too difficult to deal with? Of course you would. We all would. And the same is true of the things that we put in our hearts. The heart is the wellspring of life through which the mouth speaks. It needs constant attention. It needs constant care as the things out in the world are coming at us so quickly each and every day. Now it's hard to say, but Living ready, it takes work, and it takes some effort. That's just the truth. It's not all easy. But you know what is easy? Falling into temptation and not having a way to come back. That's so easy. The devil loves it when he can grab people, especially Christians, lead them astray 
to never return again. This is literally a matter of life and death for us. And we're all busy. We're all probably a little too busy. But what we need to do is carve out just a little bit of time in everyday life to address these issues because it'll pay huge dividends. Any time spent with God is time well spent. So as we wrap up our time today, we're going to go through three practical ways in which you can take what you've learned this morning and apply it to your life. So here's the plan. Number one thing that we're going to do this week, each of us is going to take some time to evaluate the state of our hearts. Who do you hold as king in your life? If it's not Jesus, then it's something else. It might be money. It might be prestige. It might be your title at work. Or maybe if you're retired, it's something else. Maybe it's the accomplishments you've had in your life, your material possessions, or something else. What is it? And be honest with yourself. The next step we need to take is to, once we've figured out who has dethroned Jesus from the king of our hearts, we need to set up those necessary guards and filters in our life. Schedule some time to get into the Word. Schedule some time for trusted friends and mentors. Because you know what? God did not intend to do any of this alone. He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit in us, but he also gives us each other, right? We can't do this alone. We need each other. So humble yourself and reach out to others if you need to do that. And finally, number three, we're going to practice what we learned from 1 Peter chapter 3. Try sharing the hope that you have in Christ with someone this week. Maybe if you don't feel like you're ready to share it with someone who you're not sure of their faith understanding, Maybe share it with someone you do know. Practice on them. But whatever you do, make sure you trust the Spirit to guide your conversation. Trust God to plant those seeds of faith because it's not up to you to convert someone or to turn their ear to the gospel. That's up to the Spirit. That's up to God. Friends, all three of these things, it's called faith in action, and every bit of it is worth it. We have an amazing responsibility as followers of Jesus. What did Jesus say before he ascended to heaven? Go. And he was talking to us. To all of my followers, go, preach, teach, baptize, share the gospel to all nations. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be right there beside you as you're doing it. But you do need to do it. We need to prepare our hearts. We need to prepare our souls, as we heard last week. We need to be ready to share the hope that we have, the hope in Christ. Understand that the heart is the wellspring of our life. And it's too important. Putting those filters are important. Putting those guards up is important. And those things are too important to ignore or kick down the road for a later time. So this week, I encourage you to ready your hearts. Ready your hearts. Why? Because Jesus is coming. And he's coming soon. And in Jesus' name we say, Amen.